Good morning, One Hope. It's February 9th, 2024. Our passage for today is Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 30. Here is our takeaway for today. Do not ignore God's warning signs. Chapters 2 to 25 of Jeremiah consists of 12 sermons of Jeremiah. And then chapters 3 to 6 is the second of the 12 sermons. And we saw in chapter 3 yesterday, God calls the people of Judah to return. Even though Deuteronomy says a wife who is divorced and remarried to another person, and even if the new husband dies and she's widowed, the first husband is not to take her back because that would be defiling the land, God said. And yet, God says to Judah, I, your husband, will take you back, he says, only if you will return. But then from chapters 4 to 6, the tone changes, and God says, I will bring my judgment upon you, and Judah will be destroyed. Verse 5, announce in Judah and proclaim in Jerusalem and say, sound the trumpet <coughs> excuse me, throughout the land. Cry aloud and say, gather together, let us flee to the fortified cities. He says, hear the siren and run for your lives, basically, God is saying, because the judgment will come. Why? Verse 6, raise the signal to go to Zion, flee for safety without delay, for I am bringing disaster from the north. I am bringing this disaster from the north, and this refers to the Babylonians who will eventually destroy the kingdom of Judah. And then God goes on to say, well, I have, I have to bring this judgment upon you because I have no choice but to bring this judgment upon you. We jump to Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 7. He says, I supplied all their needs, yet they committed adultery and thrown to the houses of prostitutes. They are well-fed, lusty stallions, each neighing for another man's wife. Because Judah has committed spiritual adultery, we see this metaphor and continue to see it, how God compares his relationship with his people um, through and with a marriage. And by chasing after these idol gods, they have committed this spiritual adultery. And very graphic picture too, comparing them to lusty stallions who cannot uh, uh, control themselves and just going after uh, these um, um, uh, other horses because um, female horses because they're in heat and you know we, I'm sure maybe you've seen a, a you know a video somewhere or National Geographic whatever right and this picture graphic picture of how these stallions that cannot control themselves well that's what you have become kingdom of Judah and because of that. I must, I have no choice but to bring this judgment upon you from the north. But then when we go to chapter 5, verse 10, he says this, Go through her vineyards and ravage them, but do not destroy them completely. Again, God leaves, that, leaves room for that mercy. 
He says, I will bring judgment, but I will not destroy them completely. God reveals his heart yet again. And yet, what do we do? We ignore it. You know, our Christian life is not about doing things or not doing things only and ultimately, but it's ultimately it's about seeing God's heart, feeling his heart, responding to his heart. And the heart that he reveals to us here is that I have no choice but to bring this judgment from the north, and yet I will still save you. I will not destroy this kingdom forever. I will not destroy it completely. Friends, let us continue to respond to his heart, not just his words, but his heart that is revealed to us in his word. And then we see in chapter 6 that God had given them warning signs and the people of Judah knew what they were and understood it, but they ignored it completely. And that's why God is now about to bring judgment upon them. Verse 16 of chapter 6, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul, but you said we will not walk in it. God says to them, I showed you what the good ways were, that ancient way, the good way, and yet you refuse to go back and walk in those good ways. Ancient path, the good way, what God had already shown them and given to them, yet they ignored it and refused to go back. Often, friends, it's not a new revolutionary way or method that we need when we have gone astray. What we need is often we simply need to go back to the good old, good old ways. For the Israelites, they had to simply go back to what, had, what they had already experienced, exodus and journey through the wilderness, how God's presence carried them through their, even though they were weak and they even complained, but God still carried them through and they hung in there with God through their leader, Moses. They simply had to just go back to the old ways. They did not, they did not need new laws or ways or methods from these idol gods, but they simply had to go back to the law and the Old Testament that God had already, the Pentateuch that they, God had already given to them. And yet they said, we will not go back and walk in those ancient and good ways that you have given to us. And as a result, they have now, they had to face God's judgment. I also see this principle in Christian classics too. Recently, I talked to a member at our church and, and in his uh, stage, in his career, in his business, he really needed to, he felt like he needed to upgrade himself and, and by, you know, accumulating more knowledge and, and thinking about the trends that are changing and will happen in the future. And as I sat there, listened to him, um, I felt like the Spirit was, wanted to just encourage him. And what I told him was, well, yeah, those are all good, but I think there is a way in which you can get that. And that is, you go back, backward and start searching things of the past. And what I meant was, in your field, 
there are all these discussions that are going on. And my experience from having done academic studies for many years is that when there is a lot of discussions going on in the present, what happened, what I found is that more often than not, if not all the time, that they're having this conversation out of this classic work in that field that everyone refers to. And that work which kick-started all this discussion. And it may seem like there are a lot of new things that are being discovered. A lot of times it's just repackaging, rewording of what's already said in those classics. And I experienced that in my own field as well as I study theology and all these things. And often it just goes back to that old classic works that we all refer to and talk about. And I encourage him to do that. And then it occurred to me, well, if there's one classic work that everything goes back to in the Western world is the Word of God, the Bible. So I encourage them at the end of the day, go back, start reading more deeply by referring to the classics, but go back to the Bible and start reading it again more deeply and meditating on it more deeply. And what you will get is insight for the future. You will be able to pick up and discern what, you, what will happen in your field. And I encourage them to do that because that's what I continue to experience. And then second warning God had given to them, verse 17. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet but you said we will not listen. God continues to blow the warning signs of the trumpet to us, but we ignore them. Do you have that sound of the trumpet that God has given to you? That, that nudge in your heart, that, that still small voice says, that's not where you should go. Right now, this is not what you should do. And yet, we ignore them. Why? Because our own desires are greater. Our own plans are, seem to be better. And our own will is too strong. And we don't want to hear the sound of the trumpet, the warning sounds that God gives to us. Well, I encourage you to hear the sound and follow the warning signs of God. Finally, verse 20, third warning sign that God had given to them. Why do I care about incense from Shiva or a sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. The third warning sign that God had given to them was their failed worship. But they did not come back to God in proper worship, worship that was acceptable to God. My own experience in ministry is that 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, Every believer's downfall starts with him or her falling away from worship. When I see church members, congregation members, disappear from worship service, I know what will happen. Sometimes they never come back. Other times, and often, I eventually hear back from them, and what I hear is, I'm not doing so well. Can you help me? Pray for me. Journey with me, which I gladly do. But if I have to pinpoint to when did that start, well, it started when they start falling away from worship. 
worship services, start hiding from worship services, falling away from Sunday service, gatherings. Worship is our lifeline. So please hold on to the hold on to worship as your lifeline. If the kingdom of Judah and the people of Judah had heeded the warning signs of God, they would not have experienced the judgment that was about to come. If you and I have had heeded those warning signs that God had given to us, we too would not have had experienced the downfall that we experience at times. So we ask, why didn't we heed those warning signs? Why didn't I? Well, don't ask those questions, but ask this question. What can I do right now on this day to start heeding to his warning signs? And what does it mean to heed to his warning signs today, right now, in my life? And when you do that, God will bring you back to prosperity, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and hopefully materially as well, and in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.